All right, fellas, what is up? Hope you guys enjoyed week five of fantasy football. Hope you guys came out victorious as well. I'm doing this takeaways video live instead of uh, pre-recording it because, you know, Canadian Thanksgiving and I had a wedding this weekend. So I didn't have time to pre-record this thing. So if you guys are in the chat, you know, asking questions and stuff, I probably won't be engaging too, too much in the chat, except for maybe at the end, if there's any super chats or whatever, but we will be live later today for Monday night football as usual. So save your questions for uh, then later tonight around 7.30 Eastern as always. And uh, if you guys enjoy, as always, leave a like, subscribe, and uh, if you are new around here. So basically, if you guys are watching after the fact, there'll be timestamps in the description as well. But we do have 10 takeaways from week five of fantasy football that'll be kind of breaking down here. First, we had some breaking news this morning. The Carolina Panthers uh, fired their head coach, Matt Rule. Uh, they also had some other things um, you know, leak with, uh, with the news as well. They have Baker Mayfield, who's dealing with an injury. Uh, they have teams calling about DJ Moore from like a trade perspective. It looks like a big yikes for Carolina all around. I think this was needed though. I think you needed to fire Matt Rule. You needed to get him out of the building. Stop trying to patch over the most important position in all of sports with Teddy Bridgewaters and Baker Mayfields and Sam Darnolds and the Cam Newtons and all these guys that they've been trying to get at quarterback. Keep losing. Get a real signal caller in the draft this coming year. Sam Darnold will probably be starting at some point. I'm not exactly sure who's going to be starting this week if Baker is going to be out for a significant period of time, but um, it's it, it looking like a, a team that's going to be just lost for the rest of the season. And uh, unfortunately you can't even see what you have in Matt Corral because he's out for the year with a Liz Frank injury. So just an all around terrible situation for Carolina, for DJ Moore, for Christian McCaffrey, all the guys involved from a fantasy perspective, but thankfully from like a dynasty outlook, they, they should probably be getting a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud in there. I think they're going to have a very, very high draft pick and probably add one of those guys. So um, that was kind of the news this morning, but the real, uh, let's get into the real takeaways. Takeaway number one is the rookie running back takeover that we've kind of been seeing the last couple of weeks in fantasy football. And it starts and ends with Brees Hall for starters. He is the RB seven in fantasy right now. This Jets offense looked more than capable of supporting a running back being a top 12 or a top 10 type of option. So I have Brees Hall ranked as my top 10 or as my 10th running back rest of season. And I hope you guys bought him low a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about his you know usage kind of spiking up because this past week, I mean, after a 65% snap share kind of week last week, he had a big performance. He had nearly 200 total yards this past week, 63% of the opportunities, 69% of the snaps. He looks phenomenal as well. 50% of the routes run. And if it wasn't for Michael Carter siphoning a couple goal line touches, this could have been a monster performance, like a 40 point type of output, but uh, definitely very encouraging to see from Brees Hall. Hopefully you guys have him on your roster. We also see another rookie running back, the second running back that was drafted in the 2022 NFL draft with Kenneth Walker, who will be the waiver ad of the season, most likely, if not at least of just this week. If you guys have fab budget, if you have hundred percent of your fab left, every last dime needs to be dropped on Kenneth Walker. If he is available on your waiver wire, because we're talking about a differing situation than we were really talking about coming into the season. Cause a lot of people were not that high on Kenneth Walker because number one, there was Rashad Penny there. Rashad Penny broke his fibula, I believe, and he is out for the season now. So that eliminates that concern. Number two, we were thinking this offense was going to be terrible led by Geno Smith, who is currently the number one graded passer, according to PFF right now has an elite PFF passing grade. And also we thought this running, uh, this offense was going to be more of like a run heavy, slow paced offense. And they're actually about league average across the board and pace of play. And, you know, pass heavy nature and and their guys are performing, right? Like Lockett, Metcalf having big games. Their running backs have been successful. And Kenneth Walker himself had a long run uh, once Penny left the game. So he is a, obviously a phenomenal ad. If, if you're, if he's available in your league, every last dime of your fab needs to be dropped on him. 88% of the snaps 
were handled by Kenneth Walker after the departure of Rashad Penny um, dealing with the injury that he was dealing with. He had 100% of the carries, 58% of the route participation. I think DJ Dallas and maybe Travis Homer, once he comes back, they're going to eat into like pass catching work for Kenneth Walker. But I think even if we get a early down grinder with Kenneth Walker, he's a good enough runner. He was a good enough prospect to be able to pay off from that perspective. And we also have, you know, more rookie running backs showing out to Damian Pierce had 31 opportunities this past week on an 80% snap share too. So he's completely taken over that backfield. It's not a good offense. They just won their first game, but Damian Pierce is getting targets. Now he's running routes. He's keeping Rex Burkhead off the field. So he's also a guy that I'm, you know, cool ranking as a top 20, top 15, even potentially running back rest of season. And then some of the other guys Rashad white and Tyler Algier also making contributions. Tyler Algier led the Falcons backfield in total snaps and, you know, rush attempts and stuff. But Damian Williams is eligible to return this week. So we'll kind of see how that muddies up the Falcons backfield. But Rashad White uh, was able to carve out kind of like a Tony Pollard-esque role each of the last two games. He's been heavily involved in the passing game. And he's kind of significantly downgrading the usage that we saw from Leonard Fournette early in the season, which kind of prompted me to say, dude, Leonard Fournette's got to be a top five running back rest of the season because once this Buccaneers offense figures things out, Leonard Fournette's going to have more scoring opportunities. And we're seeing that. We saw that this past week. But Rashad White is taking more snaps away now than he was then. And that's definitely concerning for Leonard Fournette. But it's definitely going to be a fun second half of the season for all these rookie running backs. So that was the biggest takeaway I had from the week. Takeaway number two is the running back landscape in general, kind of reordering the top 10 or so running backs rest of the season because it's starting to take shape now, right? We've had you know five games for most of these guys. It's clear to me that Austin Eckler is going to be just fine after the game that he had this week. He's currently the RB1 in fantasy in PPR scoring right now. He joins Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor as the elite guys at the position. I think those are the top four dudes. Um, Brees Hall, as I mentioned, is now in my top 10 running backs rest of the season. So I also think he's gone up a couple tiers as well since we you know, last kind of talked about rest of season rankings. Joe Mixon and Leonard Fournette are starting to lose snaps to their backups. Like I mentioned with Rashad White, Joe Mixon's losing some more uh, long down distance work to Samaj P. Ryan. Also, he's just not been very effective. Uh, coming into the Ravens game last night, he was averaging like 2.7 yards a carry and his PFF you know, grade is like in the 50s. So he's not been very good this season, but they're still you know, back end RB1 types. And it looks like I might have to take a serious, serious L on Nick Chubb. I'm going to victory lap a couple things in this video or in this live stream, but Nick Chubb looks absolutely incredible. Um, I don't think anybody would have predicted that Nick Chubb was going to average 6.1 yards per carry this season because, you know, as good as Nick Chubb is, that's just an unsustainable number to average, but he's doing it, man. And he's breaking off long runs. He's breaking tackles. He's making people miss. He's doing exactly what Nick Chubb needs to do. I think you can still sell him high, but the problem is I, I don't want to say that this dude's going to regress because I do think we, we might be witnessing a special type of season from Nick Chubb. It's been absolutely incredible to watch what he's been doing. I'm going to take the L on him because I don't have very much exposure to Nick Chubb. He seemed like a very boring fantasy pick for me, uh, a guy that would get you you know, 14 points per game because the workload is split with Kareem Hunt and because the offense, I didn't think it would be as capable as it's been so far with Jacoby Brissett. And once Deshaun Watson comes back, man, Nick Chubb might be even in store for more scoring opportunities. So I'm not, I'm not going to say, you know, you need to sell Nick Chubb anymore because I think we could just be witnessing a very special season out of him. And then the other guys that kind of make up my top 10 are Derek Henry, who looks like he's you know going to be just fine going forward. AK 41, uh, Alvin Kamara got finessed by a couple Taysom Hill rushing touchdowns this week. And I know my fellow Alvin Kamara managers probably were as frustrated as I was watching that. I still won my matchup this week due in part to guys like Brees Hall and you know, some of the other dudes that performed for me. Uh, DeAndre Swift should be back uh, after the bye week coming off of the shoulder and ankle injury. So that's kind of like the makeup of my top 10 running backs the rest of the season. 
I think that's what we're looking at as far as the landscape is concerned. And uh, takeaway number three is also running back related because we're seeing a lot of these zero RB targets continue to, to pay dividends and go off. We talked about it kind of all off season and we can check the scoreboard right now of the top 20 running backs in scoring. The guys that were drafted highly, there was nine of them. Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, Leonard Fournette, Aaron Jones, Dalvin Cook, and Joe Mixon. These guys were all drafted in the top three rounds of ADP. But, and that's nine of, tw- uh, of 20 of those guys, right? That's 45%. That's not a very high hit rate. And also, I think people that drafted Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon and maybe even Leonard Fournette and Aaron Jones might not be that satisfied with those picks. So, uh, Brees, Damian Pierce, Jamal Williams, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, James Robinson, Kareem Hunt, Ramondre Stevenson, Jeff Wilson, and Khalil Herbert. Those, those are the rest of the top 20 running backs. That's 11 of 20, a 55% hit rate on those like, round seven to 10 type of running backs. Most of those guys were drafted in that area between Jacobs and Ramondre, Damian Pierce and Kareem Hunt, all those guys. The only guy that was really drafted higher than that was Brees Hall. And then a couple of these other guys are like handcuffs, Jamal Williams, Khalil Herbert and Jeff Wilson. So it looks like those hit rates that I kind of broke down all off season guys that were, you know, coming into the season, we were trying to uh, predict what the running back makeup is. Where do we want to be drafting running backs historically based on hit rates? And it looks like the best place to do that was maybe get an anchor or two early on and then load up on them in round seven to 10 where the hit rates are usually good. Because if you drafted, let's say Austin Eckler in the first round, and then you faded running back until round seven to 10, you grabbed yourself a Ramondre Stevenson, a Kareem Hunt, one of these type of guys, maybe a Jamal Williams later in the draft, maybe a Khalil Herbert or Raheem Mostert or Rashad Penny. These were, you know, the proper way of building out a running back course. So even though some of the targets that we were going after, you know, Javante Williams, for example, getting hurt and being out for the season, I think the process was sound. And I think the team construction aspect of it was sound. And hopefully that pays dividends for us uh, with our fantasy teams and with our best ball teams, because I did construct most of my best ball teams that way as well. So I kind of pat myself on the back for that, that takeaway. I'm going to get into one that I'm not patting myself on the back for because I was dead wrong about this offense. And it's a huge you know, fantasy landscape shifting type of takeaway for me because all these guys were drafted very highly. The Los Angeles Rams are an absolute mess. And I'm not going to, I'm basically going to knock myself down a peg because you guys know I was high on Cam Akers. You know, I was high on Allen Robinson. We were not correct about the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams stink right now. The running backs are brutal. They're averaging like 3.2 yards per carry. And honestly, it, it felt even worse than that. Matthew Stafford hasn't looked very good. Allen Robinson is pretty much washed. He's been like a outside the top 70 fantasy wide receivers in like four of the five games so far this week. The offensive line looks significantly worse than I was expecting it to look because for me, a lot of the draw with Cam Akers was, hey, maybe Cam Akers isn't going to be the most efficient running back in the world. Maybe he's going to be a 3.5, four yards per carry guy. But I think behind this offensive line, in this offense, he can score a lot of touchdowns. And none of that has really come to fruition right now on top of the fact that he's splitting a workload. Outside of Cooper Cup, this offense has been terrible. And if Cooper Cup misses any time, I think this offense is going to struggle to even score a touchdown for the rest of the season because I was dead wrong about Allen Robinson. His impact has been pretty much non-existent. I was dead wrong about Cam Akers. This offense stinks. If you're in a shallow league, an eight-team league, a 10-team league, I don't even think you need to even roster these guys. Allen Robinson, Cam Akers, Darrell Henderson, some of the tertiary pieces outside of Tyler Higby, really, and Cooper Cup. I don't think you need to roster really any of these guys. So definitely taking the L on the Los Angeles Rams. They look like an absolute mess right now. And uh, it's not looking good. If you have Cooper Cup, you're safe, but uh, that's pretty much it. So uh, takeaway number five is kind of unpacking Kenny Pickett's first start because um, I know if you guys were watching Red Zone, they did not show a lot of that game. And rightly so. It was pretty much all Buffalo Bills the entire time. And it didn't look great for Kenny Pickett because he was, you know, right from the get-go playing from behind. They had a 98-yard touchdown on the first play. They turned the ball over on the ensuing kickoff. So it was not great 
for Kenny Pickett. Uh, but I do think this is probably the best defense in the entire league. They're one of the top three defenses against the run, against the pass in DVOA per football outsider. So I'm not going to take away too, too much from the Pittsburgh Steelers offense and say that, you know, Kenny Pickett's doomed or he's going to be terrible because the Bills are just that good of a defense. But uh, the positive to take away from this was that he had a 67.8 PFF passing grade, which is honestly a lot higher than I expected it to be. He made a couple throws here and there. Um, he was able to, you know, feed his main guys, right? 11 targets to Deontay Johnson. I believe uh, George Pickens had eight targets as well. Pat Fryermuth before he got injured was starting to get involved, but he did suffer a concussion in this game. So it should get better for the Steelers. It should get better for Deontay Johnson specifically. But unfortunately, you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You have the Miami Dolphins, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the New Orleans Saints next up on the docket. So not a very easy stretch of starting matchups for uh, Kenny Pickett as a rookie quarterback. He's looked good so far but he doesn't have really any cupcakes. You wish he would have gotten in there earlier when they were playing worse offenses and worse defenses specifically, because if he had started that game against the Jets two weeks ago, they might've had a different outcome. So uh, not an easy stretch for a rookie quarterback coming up. But like I said, better days ahead for Deontay Johnson. He currently ranks uh, with a 28% target share. And you guys can see, I'll throw it on the screen right now. Uh, the target share leaders through the first couple games of the season. We have CeeDee Lamb leading the NFL right now with a 35% target share, but Deontay Johnson is not that far down below guys like, you know, some elite dudes like Tyree Kill and AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson. Deontay Johnson's been on par with Jamar Chase and Cortland Sutton and DK Metcalf, Amari Cooper, Debo Samuel, whose offenses are all playing much better than Deontay Johnson's are playing right now. But it's still encouraging to know that if they start to play better, if Kenny Pickett starts to pick things up, once the schedule eases up, then you have Deontay Johnson getting an elite alpha, ter uh, alpha target share and Deontay Johnson can be a, a wide receiver too or so in fantasy. So definitely um, encouraging to see the target share, but we need to see some more efficiency out of the Steelers offense. And Najee Harris, uh, speaking of the Steelers offense, was actually like outsnapped by Jalen Warren. I'm not going to take away too much from it because it was uh, an out of hand game, but I am you know significantly lower on Najee Harris rest of the season. Hopefully you guys were able to shop him. And if you haven't done so already, try and maybe uh, go after, you know, a Brees Hall type. I, I don't think you're going to be able to get that done anymore. I think that was the time to do that was like a couple of weeks ago. But if you're able to go after a guy that has a better outlook rest of the season, I would definitely be doing that because Najee Harris doesn't look great. The offense doesn't look great. And he's starting to lose some snaps to Jalen Warren, even despite the bad game script. I do think that's a trend that's going to continue. So uh, takeaway number six is the Jaguars go to guys, uh, Christian Kirk, and James Robinson, those guys have been pretty quiet in the past couple of games uh, after scorching the NFL the first three games, right? James Robinson was a top five running back. Christian Kirk was a top 10 wide receiver in fantasy. Those guys have kind of tailed off in the last two games. Travis Etienne, Marvin Jones, Zay Jones, and Evan Ingram have been kind of the beneficiary of the Jaguars spreading the ball around a lot more. And I think you can buy low on these guys, Christian Kirk, uh, more so than James Robinson, because now for the second straight week, ETN has actually outsnapped James Robinson. And last week, it looked like it was just because of game script, but it was pretty you know tight game this whole game against Houston. It was like a 6-6 game up until the last couple minutes of the fourth quarter. So I would still use Travis ETN as a sell high. If you guys roster Travis ETN, I'd probably be looking to sell him because I do think you know this backfield is going to be relatively split and you know people's perception of ETN might be a little higher than what the reality is. But I do think Christian Kirk is a great buy low, and I'll probably talk about him in Wednesday's video, because I, I think the Jags have just looked a little stagnant the past couple of weeks and it involves Christian Kirk getting back on track. So that's my uh, takeaway from the Jaguars. Another takeaway, number seven is from the Detroit Lions. And I think you should probably be buying low on this team right now because uh, they're just without their playmakers and they're going to get healthy in this bye week. So if you guys are, you know, four and one, if you're five and oh, 
go to the DeAndre Swift managers, go to the Amon Ross St. Brown managers, and try and buy them for cheap because they need this week six buy that's coming up this week in a bad way. They won't be nearly as inept on offense as they've showed this past week, scoring zero points against the New England Patriots because they were like one of the highest scoring offenses in the entire NFL coming into this week. But Amon Ra was on a pitch count. Swift was out. Chark was out. There was not a lot of people to throw the ball to, and uh, they got down pretty early on in the game. So the Detroit Lions uh, offense as a whole kind of is a buy low candidate for me if you guys are in a winning position. If you want to go after DeAndre Swift, if you have like Najee Harris, for example, and you wanted to go after DeAndre Swift using him, or if you wanted to go after DeAndre Swift using somebody else in that kind of territory, Dalvin Cook, for example, I think that would make a ton of sense. And speaking of Dalvin Cook, takeaway number eight is that you probably need to sell Dalvin Cook. He is in the sell now uh, window currently because Dalvin Cook showed signs of life this past week, which is all you kind of needed to sell Dalvin Cook on because he's had such an illustrious career of fantasy success. He posted his best PFF grade of the season so far this week, but his pass game usage has decreased every week leading up to this game. And coming into this game, I'll show it on the screen right now, but he had been seeding work to Alexander Madison. He's been, you know, losing routes 71%, 63%, 32%, 43% in recent weeks and losing long down and distance plus two minute drill snaps. And then this past week that led Alexander Madison to almost even out this backfield entirely. He played a season low 57% of the snaps, did Dalvin Cook and only ran 39% of the routes. So if you can sell him for DeAndre Swift coming off of the, the big week with the two touchdowns, you can sell him for Alvin Kamara. Go ahead and do it. As I talked about last week, I sold him for Brees Hall and I could not be happier with that move because even though Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall both had good games, Brees Hall had like 200 total yards, looked a lot better than Dalvin Cook and also is commanding a larger share of his backfield and is a rookie who should probably get better as the season goes along. So uh, very happy with that move. But if you guys have Dalvin Cook, I suggest you sell him and I will probably reiterate this point on Wednesday's video. So uh, moving on to takeaway number nine, uh, the NFL's 50 cent made his return with Brian Robinson, who actually came out to many men uh, when he walked out, out of, of the tunnel, which was pretty wild. But uh, he made this commander's backfield look even grosser than it already was because with Brian Robinson back six short weeks after getting popped in the leg during a uh, attempted carjacking, he nearly caught Antonio Gibson in snaps. He had 18 snaps to Antonio Gibson's 20 and he actually outtouched him too. So, um, and he basically relegated Antonio Gibson to a scat back kind of role. And that sounds all well and good, right? That's the role that we wanted Antonio Gibson to be in. But the problem is JD McKissick got seven targets in this game. He out-targeted uh, Antonio Gibson. He actually ran the most snaps of all three of the running backs. So we have a three-way committee here. And I, I don't really blame the commanders for running a three-way committee because it looks like all three of these guys have their own unique special skill sets. Brian Robinson, the early down guy, Antonio Gibson can kind of do a bit of both. And then JD McKissick's the solid pass catcher. So I don't really blame them for running a three-way committee because in the NFL, you know, not from a fantasy perspective, that's probably the smart thing to do because running backs get injured if you overplay them. So Definitely not ideal for those of you guys that have Antonio Gibson or Brian Robinson for that matter, because I do think it's going to take an injury to somebody for anybody to take over this backfield, but I could be wrong. It seems like they really like Brian Robinson, giving him that many snaps early on. Maybe he can outright win this job altogether. So uh, let's get into takeaway number 10, which is we have to be buying low on this Cowboys offense because the Dallas Cowboys offense is going to be very good. And I know on this channel, you guys probably hear Danny wax poetic about the Dallas Cowboys all the time. And I can say this because I'm not a biased fan of the team. 
But we have Dak coming back probably this week. And not only will that involve an increase in efficiency because he's a better quarterback than Cooper Rush, but the volume will also go up a lot as well because Cooper Rush has not been throwing the ball very much at all. He has only thrown 26 pass attempts on average. He has not thrown more than 31 pass attempts total throughout his four games as a starter so far. So on top of the fact that the offense should get better with Dak Prescott coming back, they should also be throwing the ball quite a bit more. Like I showed on that graphic, CeeDee Lamb is commanding a 35% target share right now, which is the highest in the NFL. So if you can get CeeDee Lamb for anything other than a top 10 wide receiver in price tag, and if you can honestly, you could probably get CeeDee Lamb straight up for Jamar Chase right now. And I think it's a toss up to say which one I would rather have rest of the season. I know that sounds crazy given what we thought of the two players coming into the year, but the way CeeDee Lamb is commanding targets and the way he's performing with Dak coming back, I do think it's a real legitimate argument to say that CeeDee Lamb could be a top five, top six, top seven fantasy wide receiver the rest of the year. And the other pieces as well, uh, Michael Gallup is slowly ramping up from his ACL tear. And once he's back to full strength, running the full complement of routes and stuff with Dak Prescott on the field, I think he's going to be a top 24 option. If you guys play in a deep league like I do, you know that in that Dalvin Cook trade, I traded away Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison, and Daryl Henderson for Brees Hall and Michael Gallup because I play in a three wide receiver, two flex league. So I need wide receiver depth on my roster. And Michael Gallup to me seemed like a great guy to go after as good wide receiver depth. And I also have Dak Prescott as well. So gives me a nice little stack there. And then Dalton Schultz also can be a, va a viable tight end once Dak Prescott is on the field. He's not been very good so far, but if you guys are streaming tight ends or whatever, send a low-end piece for Dalton Schultz because I do think he can turn into much more than a streamer. And we saw that when he was on the field last year with Dak Prescott as well. So definitely buy low on this offense. And the other thing that keeps this offense very good is that their defense is unreal. And it's probably one of the best defenses in the league. It's going to generate turnovers. It's going to get teams off the field on offense and lead to a lot of time of possession for the Cowboys offense. So definitely an offense that I am buying into. If you guys enjoyed this live stream, like I said, I'm probably not going to run through a bunch of questions in the comments. I'll, ch I'll check it out and see what you guys have to say. I will talk about all the comments that you guys have um, on the Monday night live stream. Uh, tune into us, 7.30 Eastern, and we will answer any questions that you have about this remaining week. This was basically me just doing a live recording of a video because I didn't have time to edit it. So if you enjoyed the video, leave a like down below, uh, subscribe to the channel. If you are new as well, make sure you guys are checking out our Patreon. If you're not already aware, that's how you can get access to our rest of season rankings, um, to help you guys determine who you should be trading for. Our weekly start set rankings are available in there as well. So if you don't have, if you never get your question answered, because there's so many questions in our live streams, you can just go to our weekly start set rankings and get your questions answered that way. And our dynasty rankings manifesto has just been updated for October. That includes uh, 2023 prospects that includes, you know, rookie rankings that includes all of our bucketed rankings by age. All that kind of stuff is available via patreon.com forward slash fantasy stock exchange as well. But with that being said, peace out guys. I'll talk to you soon.